The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go for gold. Welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics, Wisco Fanatic Wednesday. Uh, Tyler and myself are here to break down the last week's games of the Milwaukee Brewers season, uh, Cardinals and Cubs, uh, division champs, all that good stuff, Cart, uh, Cubs getting eliminated, so that was a great time to be alive. And then we have a preview for the Wisconsin Badgers versus the Rutgers Scarlet Knights game. Joined by Mikey later, obviously. We always love having Mike on. Yeah. So before we start talking about some baseball games, we are excited. We have our special announcement. We have decided how we are going to do our giveaway for hitting 5,000 followers, which happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, It's going to culminate in the Wisco Collect event on October 28th because they are giving us a a huge piece of the giveaway bundle. So, um, that's when the uh, the final day will be for it. But we're going to do something kind of like a scavenger hunt type thing. So we are going to mix a 13-letter phrase in with our content over the next three and a half weeks because we, we want this giveaway to go to somebody who's uh, an avid follower of our content. We, you know, not that you know, the, the 5,000 followers that we have aren't all valued, but we want it to go to somebody who really um, takes the time to to follow along with our content. So we're going to mix it in with with videos on Wednesdays. We're going to mix it in with some of our posts, and we're going to mix it in with some of our videos uh, and some of our graphics. Um, so it's a thirteen letter phrase, and it's I'll I'll give you a I'll give you a clue. It starts it's three words, mm-hmm. and we're going to give you the first letter today, and it's D. So 13 letters, three words, starting today. The first letter is D. Now the first person who comments on our live show that we are going to do on October 28th at the Wisco Collect event, that will be the person who wins the giveaway. It's going to be the first person who comments at the 10-minute mark of our live Wisco Collect event on October 28th. That's who's going to win the giveaway for our 5,000 followers, which which we appreciate. So, yeah, we wanted to... Have a little fun with it, and we wanted to make sure it went to somebody who's uh, really an avid follower of our content, and we appreciate Wisco Collect and for Cardboard Legacy for throwing in some things with this giveaway. So we're really excited about it. Yes. Um, I'm excited to see who wins. This will be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just a reminder for anybody, if you miss any of the live shows that we do, uh, you can always catch them on YouTube as a replay. You can listen to them on podcast apps and you can find them actually on YouTube has their own podcasting now. So it's on there as well. But um, all right, 
So we're going to run through these last week of Brewer games kind of quickly. Honestly, last Wednesday we had talked about the Brewers clinching the division. So all of these games were not quite meaningless, but they were pretty pretty laid back, I'll say. So I don't really yeah. plan on going through the really the full um, the full recaps on all of them. Just to list some takeaways, and then we really want to spend a lot of time on last night's game. So, Jake, give me the the Cliff Notes version of your notes from last Wednesday's game against the Cardinals. Yeah. So for me, the game two Brewers won three to two against the Cardinals. Uh, Wade Miley pitched really good in that one. Uh, his first pitch strikes were uh, tremendous, sixteen of twenty. So he really got ahead of ahead of the count on a lot of guys. Controlled the strike zone. Uh, five innings pitch, only gave up one earned run. Uh, Tyrone Taylor was the offense, it seemed like. I mean, Telez had an RBI as well, but Tyrone Taylor with two two RBIs, one of them with two outs. Uh, he had two doubles as well. Anderson, Telez, and Contreras also had doubles. The Brewers won this one despite going two of 13 with runners in scoring position. So, I mean, they got a win. The pitching was dominant. Uribe, Piamps, uh, Shafin, and Williams all pitched in this one. So, don't give up two runs. That's uh, That's Brewers baseball. Yeah, my big things with this was looking at the Brewers' offense. They went one, two, three, only three times, and in four of the nine innings, they had multiple base runners. So that's like uh, that's pretty good. Uh, William Contreras had a double that extended his hitting streak to 14. And like last week I said, having a lot of pitchers that can get ground balls is beneficial. The Brewers got three ground into double plays this game. I like it. All right. Uh, Cardinals game three. So a shutout, uh, final game of a uh, – oh, by the way, I saw Dan uh, this last weekend nice. in, in real life. he was. We were at the Oktoberfest, and I just tapped on his shoulder, and he looked around. He's like, I was wondering who the hell touched me, man. <laughs> I was like, what's up, man? Uh, but anyways, hi, Dan. How you doing, buddy? Um, final game versus the Cardinals uh, this season. Oh, wait. Am I messing up? No, I'm correct. Uh, final game versus the Cardinals. Brewers shut them out 3-0. to zero. Uh, Corbin Burns only pitched four innings in this one. Five hits, zero earned runs. Yelly and Contreras had RBIs. Donaldson, Yelly, and Mitchell had doubles. Uh, Santana had a double. Oh, um, that's wrong notes. Uh, they went two for six runners in scoring position. I wrote really small, and I wrote them all next to each other. So <laughs> I told you I did not take a lot of notes. Um, Corbin Burns got his 200th strikeout of the season. That was actually his third straight season of getting 200 strikeouts. Obviously, we're going to come back to Burns when we talk about last night's game. But what's up? I was going to say I'm disappointed we didn't bring that up on Monday. With <laughs> we didn't bring that up on Monday, and he was named a team MVP. Nobody said that about three, three straight true. Yeah, we didn't list that. All right, that's fair. Um, Garrett Mitchell was back. He had a double and two walks. Uh, Dan said, "Do we have to?" Oh, we're going to Dan. We have some uh, some scathing indictments of of our fan base that we're going to discuss. Um. Ethan Small also got his 200th, or not his 200th. Ethan Small doesn't have 200 anythings yet. Burns got his 200th strikeout. Ethan Small got his first, number one, the first save of his career. Um, Julio Tehran made a great appearance, and he was DFA'd after. Uh, He wasn't going to make the postseason roster, and he wasn't making another appearance in the regular season. That's why he was DFA to clear a roster spot. So I'll say on the subject, thank you, Julio Tehran. You gave the Brewers a big a bridge like Julio Tehran built a really big bridge for the Brewers across this rest, like across this regular season. So thank you to Julio Tehran. Uh, This was the Brewers 15th shutout of the season. Love that. Yeah. All right. 
Cubs game one. So the Brewers ended up winning this one in uh, extra innings, which is exciting. Uh, Carlos Santana with three of the four RBIs. Contreras added one. Santana had a double and his first triple of the year. He was moving. Old man was moving. Adamas also had a double. Uh, Colin Ray pitched five five scoreless innings, had six strikeouts. Bryce Wilson, Clayton Andrews also in this one. And I'm going to leave the star of the game for you. Um, so this thing for me was looking at it was the Cubs had to use their whole A bullpen. They were clinging to playoff life mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, Colin Ray, you mentioned the five innings of six strikeouts. He only gave up two hits and only pitched 67 pitches. So that to me was like, I wrote in my notes for this game. Obviously I know today, but I didn't know when we took these notes. Uh, I have wrote that. I think he's making the playoff roster and he did. Uh, William Contreras extended his hitting streak to 16 in the first inning. And Caleb Bosley. It's weird because his last name looks like it should be Bushley, but it's Bosley. He Uh is a Nina, Wisconsin native, made his debut. I like that they have a little patch on their jerseys that say when they have their MLB MLB debut. I actually really like that Major League Baseball does that. Um, That's like what the NFL did this year with the rookies. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, he pitched two and a thirds innings, gave up an earned run, had five strikeouts, even though he's not known as a strikeout guy, uh, mm-hmm. and collected a W. So good for him. That's a, just a cool moment that we got. That's one of those things that uh, we were able to experience over the last week of the season, having the division yep. wrapped up. All right, game two. So the Cubs, uh, <laughs> the Cubs gave it everything they have in this one. They took this game. Brewers lost uh, ten to six, but. As we said before, we were uh, pretty laid back. Uh, we didn't really – we weren't emotion, as emotionally invested as we normally were in these ones. So Eric Lauer started this one, got beat up a little bit. I don't know what happened to Eric Lauer, uh, but he's not the same person as he was last year, and that kind of sucks. I hope that he yeah. can kind of right the ship because he was a really big piece for us last season. Um, he actually looked promising at a lot of times, honestly. Uh, Trevor McGill, Uribe, Milner, Piamps, and Williams also got work in this one. Kind of just uh, cleaned some things up so they weren't just sitting on their behind, you know, until the playoffs. So that was great work by CeCe. Um, Carlos Santana had a two-hour RBI. Taylor, Adamas, and Perkins uh, added RBIs. Adamas and Perkins, two each. Santana and Perkins at home run. Santana destroyed a baseball. The Brewers were down 3-0 to start – or 6-0 to start this one. Ended up tying this one on a Santana home run with two outs, mm-hmm. so that was that was phenomenal. I mean, it's whatever that we lost, but I, I thought it was funny that Cubs fans were talking after they were up six to zero, and then we tied it again. I was like, oh no, they got to stop doing that, bro. Uh, yeah, they really do because it was funny because <laughs> the Cubs got eliminated before this game was even over. I know it's so funny. <laughs> um, we'll talk about Eric Lower a little more in the off season. I have some thoughts. I'll save them until then. Um. Main thing that I was looking at with this is the Brewers as a team. They only went one, two, three, one time in this game. I like that. So that's definitely good to see. Uh, William Contreras extended his hitting streak to 17 with two hits. Willie Adamas had three hits. And then McGill, Uribe, Milner, Piamps, and Devin Williams all got a tune-up in this game before we headed into the playoffs. Uh, And that was pretty much all I had from game two. Uh, We can talk game three, and then we will do the wild card game. So... Game three, another shutout, final game, uh, final home game of the of the regular season. 
uh, final game versus the Cubs, their final game, and they get shut out. So their fans talking about, you know, plus minus all damn year, and they get shut out in their final game. Uh, Adrian Hauser started this one, five innings of zero earned runs and five strikeouts. Shafin, uh, inning in a third. Uh, Jansen Junk, when you get shut out by Jansen Junk, you got problems. I commented, and I'm like, we made the Cubs look at our junk. Yeah, because we did, and that's that's a fantastic comment. Uh, Tyrone Taylor with a home run in this one uh, with two outs. Uh, Donaldson, Canna, and Mitchell also with RBI. So uh, it's an all-around good day. Brewers baseball get a win versus, versus the bad guys. Yeah, so the Brewers as a team batting, they only went 1-2-3-1, <laughs> encouraging. They did strike out 13 times, which is a lot, but they also drew six walks. So, you know, just seeing a lot of pitches, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubs, however, they went 1-2-3 four times and only had one base runner four times. Oh, damn. So eight out of the nine innings, they didn't get two guys on base. That's insane, actually. I like that. Um, this ended up being the Brewers' 16th shutout of the season, and they finished at 92 wins, which is one win higher than my my three-game kind of uh, window that I kind of expected them to be in. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll do we'll do. I'm sure soon, uh, like a regular season wrap up for the Brewers. Uh, at yep. some point, whenever they end up eliminated from the playoffs, uh, if they end up eliminated from the playoffs. It's uh, not over till it's over, which we will discuss after we talk about last night's game. So, Jake, you wanted to go first in this segment, so I will let you go first, but I'm sure we're going to have a lot of discussion flying through talking about last night's game, and it's uh, it's not going to be pretty, even in the sense of not even talking about the game, honestly. Oh, now we're bastards, Tim? Okay, I see how So... I'm going to get serious for a sec, man. I'm going to look right in this camera. I'm going to get serious for a sec. Yeah, it's going to be serious. What the hell happened to competition? I'm being dead serious when I say this. When I see comments of people just crying and crying and crying, the first thing that comes to mind is, is this how you act in your daily life? I truly want to know because life is hard. It, it, it is not pretty all the time, you know, and if you want to uh, correlate to, correlate it to baseball and correlate it to any sport, right? You can be down five to zero in the bottom of the ninth sometimes in life. That's what it feels like, right? Yeah. But no matter what, you have to get up to bat and you have to swing for the fucking fences. And that's okay. Yeah. The Brewers lost a game last night. One, one singular game. Yeah. One. Not not like 15 in a row, not 108 years without a World Series. They lost one goddamn game, and it's all over. Just like in June when Ella De La Cruz stole home. Or when, uh, same thing, same month, when they lost to the Oakland Athletics at home. The season's over. The season is not over. Not yet, at least. So it's it's okay that they lost the game. Am I mad about it? No. Am I disappointed? Yes. Those are two very different things. Can I be disappointed in my team? Yes. But there's still good things that came out of this game. They got 12 hits. They had four walks. They were on base all night. They just didn't get the big hit. 
So who's to say the next two games they don't get 12 hits and they hit eight of nine with runners in scoring position? I don't know. I'm just throwing numbers out there. And we absolutely obliterate them the next two days. Nobody's saying that it can't happen just because you're looking at a name who's pitching. That doesn't matter. There's going to be a guy on the mound that has to throw the baseball to the Brewers hitters. The Brewers hitters are going to take the bat, and they're either going to get a hit or they're not going to get a hit. And that's just the way it goes. Just like in life, you're left with a lot of decisions, right? You do this or you do this, and that's what your outcome is. But holy shit, people. Like, really? Like, you going to cry this much over one baseball game? Or when the Packers lose, you're going to cry this much over one football game? Or Badgers or, or Bucks, et cetera, et cetera? I'm so sick and tired of it. It's a game. It's a form of entertainment. And, yes, we all love it and we're passionate about it. Tyler and I literally are giving our lives for this. This is our passion. This is what we do. And we got the 5,000 followers. And thank you for that. We really appreciate that, truly. But we're not going to sit here and cry after every single loss. We're going to look for things to build on. We're going to look for ways to win. And then when they win, it's going to be sweet. So that's all I got right now. But please, for the love of God, understand that it's a game. And where is your competitive heart? That's all I ask. So in response to what you said, my question would be is <clears throat> let's let's say the Brewers do come back and win the next two. Because as we posted on the page today, the Brewers had six series this year yeah. where they lost the first one and then won the next two. So they've done it before. Yep. Yes, I understand the playoffs are different, but you're still playing the same game. You're playing at the same place. So my question is, let's say the Brewers win these next two. Mm-hmm. Do you want the emotions of your past to repeat themselves in your future? No. No. So my question to people who, and this literally happened, people who feel the need to comment the literal words, fuck you, on the Brewers Twitter page after posting the final score, how long do you plan on letting your emotions of out based on outside stimulus to control your actions. To me, it's something that we've kind of tried to work on a little bit as, as you know, the, the stance that we take with our show is being different than other sports shows by wanting to be able to relate some of the lessons that sports can teach us about life, because that's something that we grew up actually learning. You know, we, we spent a lot of time, you know, playing sports and learning life lessons from it. And we're trying to do the same now as fans of professional sports teams and then, you know, relating the analysis to that. Mm-hmm. But there's there's some emotional intelligence to be had here. Yeah. And I, quite frankly, embarrassed by how Wisconsin sports fans have reacted lately with their lack of emotional intelligence. Yeah. And we can talk about some of the players, which we will. Um, and, and we'll, we'll continue to have these sorts of discussions, but uh, Michael said, Hey guys, I too was very disappointed in our play last night. So many opportunities Winker making the roster and looking horrible and his lone at bat Monasterio at third tonight. Dude is playing so good to have on the bench. Well, they're going with the same lineup as they went with last night. Uh, Donaldson over Monasterio isn't a super big thing for me. Uh, Donaldson has way more experience and he's been a little bit better of a, 
a power hitter for the Brewers. He offers more lineup protection to a guy like Willie Adamas to maybe get him to see some better pitches than an, than an Andrew Monasterio, who's a rookie. Um, as for Jesse Winker, we can just jump into this right away. We posted Jesse Winker's stats from last night that he was 352 with runners on base, 353 with runners in scoring position, 417 as a pinch hitter, and I believe 389 as a high leverage uh, in high leverage situations. So just just going by the numbers, like 389, that's still 611 of a failure percentage. 352 is 648. 353 is 647. 417 is still 583. The fact that he went 0 for 1 in a scenario where he was leading off an inning with nobody on base as one of 35 batters that the Brewers sent to the plate last night, that is 2.8% of the Brewers at bats last night. And people are hanging on that one. And not only that, it's not like they sent him up there to pinch hit for Christian Yelich or William Contreras. They sent him yeah. up for Bryce Terang, who was 0 for 1 with a walk and a sacrifice bunt. Who also isn't very good at hitting, <laughs> by the way. As much as we love Bryce, don't get me wrong, but right. he's not His a very good hitter. Valuable. Yeah. But he's he's got work to do as a hitter. And and I brought up all of those situational statistics is why he made the roster. Not Mm -hmm. to mention the fact that he's an experienced veteran. Yep. And people just fixated on that. And the thing that annoyed the hell out of me was how did all those stats work out? I'm like, nothing changed about the stats. They're all still factual. Yeah. That's, that's a thing about, about numbers is you can't really argue with them because they are what they are. (laughs) <laughs> and we've we've said this before, like baseball is a sport of failure. You you kind of really just have to accept that if you're going to be a baseball fan. Yeah. The best, you know, the best players succeed on average about 30% of the time. Yeah. That's, that's like there's a guy that wins the batting title known as like the best hitter because he fails the least amount of times. Yeah. And it's like not even by like a crazy margin either. It's like, it's crazy it's that there was a guy this year that succeeded 34.6% of the time. And he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> 30 Dude, if I was only 34% accurate at work, I would get fired tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for for people berating everything that the franchise has done to this point, based on 2.8% of the offense last night is wild to me. Yeah. So we start with that on Jesse Winker. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the offense goes, 11 men left on base is the biggest story of the game. Lots of base runners. Like Jake said, they just couldn't get the big hit to put up a big number in an inning. Which they've done a lot, by the way. Right. Um, Bryce Terang almost tied the game by getting hit by a pitch. It was really close. It just bounced in front of his foot. Um, they were, you know, they had lots of guys and opportunities. They just needed one more guy to get on base somehow. Dude, Evan Longoria made a crazy play with the bases. Yeah, line. he did. A crazy double play. And if that ball is two inches higher, he's probably not catching that. And we're not even having this conversation right now. We're talking about how Tyrone Taylor, that was Tyrone Taylor, right? Am I remembering yep. that correctly? Yeah, how Tyrone Taylor hit a home run and then he ripped a double that took the lead. Like, 
people got to understand, like, these games are literally games of inches. That was a crazy play by Evan Longoria. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. In my opinion, Evan Longoria won the game for them last night. I agree. He had a couple had crazy a... defensive plays. Yes. And he had, a, he had a couple hits when he shouldn't have. And it was like, Evan Longoria played good. That's why I was texting you. I was like, dude, did he go in a goddamn time machine? He took a Willie Adamas double away, turned it into an infield single. Yeah. Like, that, like, that would have put him in, in scoring position. And I think Donaldson – I think Donaldson garnered into a double play after that, actually, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I think so, yeah. Um. So, if he's, you know, if he's on second base, you know, that's then you're looking at one out for Bryce Durang with a man on second base. Well, still, even think about this, right? If he gets a double, the defense is probably set up differently for Donaldson. That's very true. So, who knows that that same exact hit, if he's getting that same exact pitch, that same exact hit could be a, a hit and a and a run. Sure. Could be an RBI single. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't know. That's the that's that's thing, thing about is, sports, man. It's right. And that's the thing, is like Tyrone Taylor did his job in that moment. The fact that the Brewers didn't cash in on it isn't for a lack of Tyrone Taylor hitting the ball hard. Yeah. Like that's I'm gonna tell you this, like as far as baseball goes, like people aren't people aren't going up there looking to be like all right, I'm going to get a hit, I'm going to hit the ball to this spot, and I'm going to hit it there, and I'm going to get this many bases. Like, guys go up thinking, hit the ball hard. Yeah. Make solid contact, things like that. That's fundamentals. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's, you know, you get the the visualization like William Contreras does of, you know, wanting to hit the home runs in the biggest moments and things like that, but Tyrone Taylor did his job in that moment. Mm-hmm. And Willie Adamas was going on contact because he wanted to score on that play and he would have yeah even if the even if the left fielder cuts that ball off willie adamas is still scoring because he had a good jump on the contact yep they were sending him too because the game would have already been tied so i think they were sending him either way yep yeah so as far as that's what i have as far as the offense uh on the defensive side of the ball and the pitching uh burns and williams it's it's tough we are in a position where we lost our second best starter. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is still our second best starter. Don't need to get into that. But it's tough because no other team in history has had all-star pitchers from that season allow these numbers in a playoff game. Six earned runs, five walks, and three home runs. Ugh. So if there's anything that can tell you that your ace can be beat in a playoff game, it's last night. Yeah. And people are acting like Zach Gallen is actual Cy Young. Yeah. Like he's struggled lately. We posted his numbers from the from his career games against the Brewers. They're not as good as Freddie Peralta's career numbers against the Diamondbacks. True. Um Zach Gallen versus the Brewers in six games has a 175 career ERA and a 228 batting average against. Freddie Peralta against the Diamondbacks in his career has a 0.55 ERA and a 0.040 batting average against. Damn. <laughs> so this this game could 100% end up being a pitcher's duel. The Brewers could have to win a 1-0 to game tonight. Yeah. That could be the reality of this game. I'll take a 1-0 to win. I ain't like that. <laughs> It'll be stressful, and we know that. The Brewers played stressful games all season. Yeah. Why would it be any different? This team is definitely battle tested, so I don't know why anybody's flipping out. 
So, before I get to a couple takeaways, I, I want to hammer on this again. Our fans can do a hell of a lot better job representing our fan base <laughs> on social media. Yeah. I am truly embarrassed about how people reacted after last night. Yeah. So, Dominic Catronio had an interesting thing to say about this game. He said, I can't help but think about the last time a team from Milwaukee faced a team from Phoenix in the postseason and fell behind in a series. Just saying. Just saying, bro. (laughs) So, I mean, you, you think about Kobe Bryant, the interview that he did where he's Job's not done. Job's not finished. What's there to be happy about? Job's not finished. What's there to be crying about? If the Brewers lose tonight, you'll have all offseason to cry. You can you can wait another 24 hours before letting the waterworks go. Because they're not done. They're not done. Michael said, What we shouldn't fire council? Should have fired council the day he was hired. Yeah. Why would you let him get the 700 career wins? Yeah. Why why would you let that guy make a playoffs a bunch of times? And the thing is, is that after Corbin Burns up to Devin Williams, Council pushed all the right buttons with the bullpen. I agree. Everybody that came in did a great job. And I want to start with Abner Uribe. Abner Uribe came in in the fifth inning with runners on first and second base and nobody out. Mm-hmm. The first batter he faced, he got to ground out. So then he's facing second and third with only one out. Did not allow a run. 23 he, years old. Every, go ahead. 23 years old, dude. Yeah. Vinny talked about it on Monday when we did our regular season awards. For him to have pitched, I believe, 88 innings in the minor leagues. That's it. And now here he uh, is making, making waves in the playoffs. Man. Um, Colby Milner pitched in this game. Yoel Piams pitched in this game. Elvis Paguero pitched in this game. Elvis Paguero, also a rookie. I mean, the, the bullpen did a great job, as did Craig Council. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to hang your hat on Jesse Winker as, you know, they're not doing the right job, that's less than 3% of the batters. Next thing. Christian Yelich as the leadoff guy, he was on base three times, two walks and a single. He did his job to get on base. Yep. And then Willie Adamas was also three for four. I mean, the Brewers did their stuff. I mean, Sal Freelich was was on base twice. I mean, there's honestly outside of the end result, there's not a ton to complain about, really. Yeah. Like, yeah, leaving leaving runners on base sucks, but just being able to get runners on base is a good thing for the Brewers. Obviously, Corbin Burns not having his best game isn't ideal. But the matter is, the Brewers are not done. Um, And like I said, like we, on this show, we have always preached two out of three. Just win series. Just win series. Winning two out of three in every series puts you at a 108 win season. The Brewers are in the same spot. They need to win two out of three. They lost the first one, so they need to win the next two. They've done it six times this year. 
Now, this is a conversation that I want to have based on this game is I believe and coaches that I've talked to, uh, people closer to the team that we've had discussions with, whether it be Vinny Rotino or Mike Spotford, is I believe that you learn a lot more about your character when you're losing than when you're winning. Yep. And the fact of the matter is, is that the character of a lot, I won't say all, and I think that as far as Wisco Fanatics is concerned, we've done a pretty good job of cultivating this, is that the character of Wisconsin sports fans as far as social media is concerned is weak. 100%. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm really not sorry. If If it wasn't social media, I would tell it to your face too. If your first reaction to a loss is to immediately be negative and say, oh, we're done, even though they're literally not done, or to go and say, oh, with the benefit of hindsight, how did it go for the Brewers to be eighth in, with runners in scoring position when they couldn't get runners in scoring position? You have the benefit of hindsight. It doesn't change anything factual. And going back to try to act like it does just makes you a dick, doesn't make you correct, doesn't make your narrative that you're trying to push correct. Literally going to the team's social media page to say fuck you after losing, it it's weak character. There's there's really no other way around it. And it's like I said, I really honestly it doesn't I'm not really sorry to say it. What what do you gain from doing that? Right. Does it does it make the loss go away? Does it does it make you feel better? It does, it does none of those things. All it does is make you look like a moron. Now you look like a crybaby moron. That's the exact word that I used with several people last night. Calling people crybabies. <laughs> Seriously. Kicking and screaming and wanting your way. It's not how life works. But yeah. Obviously, the players don't want that result either. The right. council didn't want that result either. Nobody in the Brewers organization wanted that. Mm-hmm. Can I give you an example of what it feels like? What was that? I was going to say, can I give you an example of what it feels like? What you got? It's like it's like running over a nail with your tire in your car yeah. and then taking a bat to your windshield because you ran over a nail. Yeah. What, what, what do you gain? Nothing. Would you not try to think of, like, how can I fix this? Yeah. How can I recover from this? What can I learn from this? And this is this is where, like, these type of situations, this is where we get the life lessons that we're going to discuss. And honestly, I'll say this. If the Brewers lose tonight, I look forward to the discussions that we're going to have. Because we're going to be in a situation where we thought people were negative last night. If they get swept, it's going to be worse. And we will have more bulletin board material to discuss on why people just need to actually like have some like I mentioned before emotional intelligence so for one you will have a little bit more reasoning to be upset losing two games at home Mm -hmm. I can understand that to a point but the things that you say and the way that you say them are what's going to matter to me yep no reason to go out there and say F this guy, 
F this guy, F this guy, fire this guy, get rid of this guy. You're not in charge. And thank God most of you aren't in charge. <laughs> yeah. So that's really what I'm going to be looking for. And if they win, it'll be crickets. And it'll be a beautiful night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, what I will say is that the only way that I would have been upset is if they had left Freddie Peralta as the game three, if necessary, starter and not moved him to today, which they did. They announced it right after the game last night that Freddie Peralta was going to start tonight. Um, there's no scenario in which you're facing elimination and you don't start Freddie Peralta. Yeah. Agreed. So that's, that's good. That's a good start already. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want to get to a point is we discussed this last, last Monday a little bit when we had Vinny Rotino on, on where the Brewers draw the line of what's a successful season this year. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is they're already, they've already exceeded our expectations despite long-term injuries to Brandon Woodruff and Garrett Mitchell. They won 92 games. That's more than we projected this season. Um, so that's already, you know, exceeded the expectations there. Now, by saying that, that does not mean that we are happy just making the playoffs. The Brewers have made the playoffs in five of six seasons. That's the most competitive they've been in their franchise history. Yeah. Like I said, how many times have we discussed the fact that we we talk about the 1982 World Series team like they won it just from being there? Mm -hmm. But don't don't give the same credit to any of Craig Council's teams, despite 2018 being one game away, and then 2019, 2020, and 2021 losing to the eventual World Series champion. And you know, to be completely honest with you, the Diamondbacks are a team like the teams mentioned before that could absolutely get on fire and go sure. win the whole damn thing. Sure, they have the talent. They have some star pitching. They have some good guys in the bullpen. They have a manager with some experience. I mean, seriously, they, they literally have all the formula. It's not like we're playing, like, a shitty team. You know what I mean? Right. It's literally a playoff and team. The Diamondbacks were one of the best teams in the first half of baseball. True. They went on a little slide, and now they're kind of starting to get it back together again. They they got they got hot right before the playoffs. They got hot right at a good time. So right. they're playing good baseball. It's a shitty pull for the Brewers, but – just like they always do, just like they've done this entire season, they're going to put their big boy pants on. They're going to go figure it out because that's what adults do. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it doesn't mean that we're settling for the playoffs. Right. We, we want them to win a World Series. But unfortunately, and this is going to sound like a, like a cop-out or an excuse, but unfortunately the Brewers kind of have the odds stacked against them a little bit as far as payroll and things of that nature are concerned. Yeah. because they're in the smallest television market and they don't have a giant payroll to work with. Now, on the flip side of that, what I'm really excited for is the fact that the Brewers have gotten contributions from tons of rookies this year. There are five rookie batters on the playoff roster. That's crazy, actually. And there's two more in the bullpen. Seven rookies out of 26 players on the Brewers' first-round playoff roster. Damn. <laughs> I like and it. people are acting like the window is closing. Yeah. And I get that 
Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, or no, not Peralta. Burns, Woodruff, and Adamas are free agents after next season. Not not mm-hmm. this not this winter. Next winter, winter of 2024 is when they are free agents. People are acting like this is the Brewers' last chance. As if we don't already have a bunch of rookies making contributions. As if we don't have the second-rated farm system in all of baseball. Like, there's... Uh, like, there's... The Brewers aren't going away. If the Brewers don't do it this year, they're not just going away. They And if you want to talk about pitching... Even if the Brewers were to trade Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, there are guys like Robert Gosser and Jacob Mizorowski ready to come up. I'm not saying those guys are going to be major league ready day one, but these guys are highly regarded prospects for a reason. And as for, I spent way too much time today arguing with somebody who was crying about the Brewers not spending money. Yeah. Trading Hunter Renfro, trading Colton Wong was to make room for Bryce Durang at second base, and all of the outfield talent we have with more coming. Yeah, our outfield is absolutely stacked. It's, dude, it's insane how many yeah. outfield prospects we have. Yeah. Like, we we could flip, and this is going to sound crazy, but, like, we could flip a Joey Weimer, who we all we all love. Like, I'm not consi- saying that we should do it. Right. I'm just saying we could trade a guy like a Joey Weimer, a guy that MLB team saw has very good, very good defense, he has good raw power. He's a guy that you can come come and get some pitching prospects for if we do end up trading a guy like a Woody or a Burns. You know what I mean? Yep. Very easily they could do that, I think. I agree with you. Um, everybody knows about Jackson Churio, but yep. the Brewers also have a guy in their system. His name is Luis Lara. He's another guy to keep an eye on. Like, there are, there are good things still to come for the Brewers if they don't win it all in 2023. Obviously, we would prefer them to do it now because we are in the now. Yeah. But it's it's not the end of the world here. Not even the fact that we aren't even eliminated yet. So, like I said, we will have more conversations. Maybe next week we're talking about NL, an NLDS appearance. And we're recapping some Brewers-Dodgers games, which if the Brewers win today and tomorrow, Jake and I will probably do some short form video between this series ending and the next one beginning, should the Brewers advance that far. So we will have our thoughts out before that series starts, if the Brewers make it there. We're hoping they make it there. We will find the ways that they can do it. That's how we operate. Um, As far as today goes, I just pulled this up. It just came on to... X, but it's a two-minute interview with Niger Morgan because mm. he's throwing out tonight's first pitch. So I'm gonna play it and and we're gonna we're gonna listen to it. All right, bet. Um, the memories, the just. It's words really don't explain just the feeling it feels to be back in, in Milwaukee. You know, all the love that I'm getting from the fans, all the love I'm getting from you guys. 
it's just everything is, is, is amazing. And I'm very thankful just to be back and just be in this position. How often do you think about that moment? All the time. Now that I have a chance to let it like settle down in December and now I understand like what it really meant is still to this magnitude. It really hasn't hit me all the way, but there's certain things where, you know, I'll catch myself going back to, you know, 2011 when, you know, I made it happen. So much happened. Yeah, I feel old. Whatever, two minutes, five yeah. minutes. What do you, like, what's the one thing that you always remember about? Um, the more is just the hit going up the field and the roar of the crowd. The roar of the crowd basically told me everything. And now, and from hearing it, I still hear it to this day in my sleep. And when I'm just thinking about it, just, just that moment was just, it was an amazing, awesome experience. I saw the, the replay again last night. Yeah. So Pewds is on the mound. Yeah. Tickled it as he oh, yeah, it. right up the box. Did, did you think there was any <laughs> chance that Pewds is going to kick that one? He came well, no, no, I kind of squared it up. I barreled it. You know, yeah. that's a bet. You know, it came, you know, with the velocity now. <laughs> you know, nobody had the velocity back then. So I I, I get it about a 107 off the bat. Yeah, yeah, the velocity was there. So, you know, I don't think he could have quick save with a beauty. <laughs> now, you played for a lot of franchises in yeah. your career. I would assume that this one is the most. This feels home. Yeah. yeah, this really feels home. I feel like I came up in this organization, even though I came up with the Pirates. Yeah. But besides that, this is, to me, this is home. And, you know, even though I have my only like year and a half, two years here, but besides that, I made a uh, lasting impression on everybody and, and everybody's made a lasting impression on me. And that means everything in the world just to be in this position and to be loved by so many different people. Damn, I love that, bro. How, how as a Brewers fan, do you watch that and still want to be just a person who just goes straight to negativity. Cause that's like he said, the brewers are home. That's home for a lot of people. It's just to be negative. And that's a sad thing to say, but it's real. I, I can't, I can't fathom watching that seeing a former player describe how happy he was to be here because of how the fan base made him feel. And then people want to think that they're just saying stuff on Twitter or X or Facebook or anything like that, right? Like, you're not just saying stuff. Like, some of these guys, most of these guys see this stuff, man. And that and that, uh, that affects people that want to come here and play here and, and re-sign here, like a Corbin Burns. Like, listen, man, <laughs> I'm going to be real. I was talking to my baseball guy today. Shout out, Keith. What's going on, buddy? Um, I know you're going to watch this later, so you'll hear your name. He, I always tell him at work that I call him my baseball guy. And I was like, I don't know if I should say your name, bro. Like, I don't know if you're like that. But he said, oh, I don't care. You can say my name. But shout out to my guy, Keith. And we were actually talking about it because I was I was upset. I mean, I wasn't as vocal about it as you were today. But I was pretty pissed off about how people were talking last night. And it really, it really it was the first thing that I saw when I woke up. Uh, the last thing I saw when I went to bed last night. So it was it was in my thoughts. And. I was talking with them about Corbin Burns maybe leaving, you know, the, the likelihood of maybe this really killing Brandon Woodruff's career. Like, he was up for a big contract, so that's really shitty timing for him. Uh, on top of, you know, just us being in the position we were in and having the pitching and the defense was really the identity of our team, right? So, yeah. you know, we were talking about Burns, and I was like, think about fans talking shit, right? And you're in Milwaukee, you're in a tiny market, 
And you could have fans talk shit about you in New York and you can make your $15 million and you can move on with your life because you're setting your kids up now. You're setting your family up for generations with that kind of money. Mm -hmm. But the thing about Milwaukee and the thing about Wisconsin in general is the reason that everybody loves the Green Bay Packers is because it has a college atmosphere, right? We love our team. We're passionate about our team. We could do that for all of our teams. We could do that for the Brewers. We could do that for the Bucks. And I know that a lot of people do that for the Badgers. A lot of boosters and former, you know, uh, their alma mater, they love the Badgers. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to take a pay cut and you're going to play for a team that you came up with and that you love, you got to have that love from the fan base as well. So it's a really, really fine line that people are really riding. And honestly, it's just, I'm disgusted by it, honestly. I, and then I'm going to go back to my rant that I said. I don't understand where people's competitive heart, competitive fire went away. But, God, the world has gotten so soft that it's leaking into fandom. And that's the thing, is that people will vehemently defend their right to criticize as competitive fire. It's not. That's not competitive fire. That's pessimism is what it is. Competitive fire would be get them tomorrow. That's the kind of thing that competitive fire is, is. Okay, we have another game to play. Yesterday's game is over. We need to win today's game. Yep. Finding how to win today's game. That's competitive fire. Saying that my favorite Jesse Winker moment is going to be when he's released and not on this team anymore, that's not competitive fire. That's blatant pessimism. Honestly, I hope we get into a situation where like, where Jesse Winker has a fucking walk-off home run tonight. Bro. <laughs> Could you imagine... You you want to talk about an emotional 180, bro? <laughs> oh, wow. Just, I mean, just that's, that's what, and sports offers shit like that all the time. Yeah, I agree. It's not even just once in a while. Like, it's, it happens a lot. It does. A lot more than people realize. Uh, the, the Minnesota Twins just snapped a 19 game playoff losing streak last night. Bro, imagine being a Minnesota fan. No, no thanks. You, you, Wisconsin fan, like fans of Wisconsin teams, think that we have it bad, bro. Talk about being the little brother all the time in literally every league. Chicago's the same thing. What's up, buddy? Um, Relax this here for a reason. Something tells me Willie is gonna do 12k tonight. Ooh, I'm assuming he means Freddie. He, he does. He does that for me. Really. He does that for me. I appreciate it. Uh, he When he says Willie, it's because I always mess up and call him Willie Peralta when he means Freddie Peralta. So he's he's going for a 12K Freddie Peralta game. I, dude, I'm here for it. And, yeah. and if the Brewers win, we're not going to declare the series over that the Brewers are winning it. Nope. We're, just gonna we're be winning like... today. That's, that's what we're focused on is winning today. Tomorrow and we'll be focused what... on winning tomorrow. And what, what do you think that they're saying in the locker room right now? Or the clubhouse, sorry. What do you think they're saying in the clubhouse? Win today. One game. Yep. Let's win today. And worry about these nine innings or what? how many ever innings it takes. It could take 12. could take 19. I don't freaking know. That's baseball, bro. Yeah. <laughs> the game could be over after three innings, dude. 
Brewers could go nuts just like they did in Miami and score 12 runs in three innings, and we could coast the rest of the way. We don't know. Right. That's why they play the games. Yeah, man. And that's my thing is like, oh, the Brewers aren't going to do anything against Zach Gallen and Kirby. If you know that, then why watch? Yeah. If if you're predicting the outcomes, why watch? Why not go bet on the games if you know so well? And then just become a millionaire because you know the outcomes. Yeah, why are you rich? Why are you wasting your time on Facebook crying every day? Easier. That's why. <laughs> True that. <laughs> okay. So the the what's next section is very easy, very short to go over because they have today. They need today. Yep. Uh, yep. If, they, if they don't win today, they're done. If they win today, they have tomorrow. And if they win today and tomorrow, we will talk before the NLDS starts. Um, Brett's kind of echoing the same thing. One game at a time, back against the wall. Kind of remind me when the Bucks were down 0-2 against the Suns and Middleton and Holiday laughing at the press game. Um, we got this. Gallon also has a 4-plus ERA on the road, and Peralta is 0-55 against the Diamondbacks. You got that from our page. I know you did, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is why the Brewers could win tonight. The Brewers could just, even if, even, let's say Zach Gallen doesn't give up a run to the Brewers. There's ways they can still beat the Diamondbacks. They yeah. could force Zach Gallen to throw 100 pitches in five innings. Never know. And they used a lot of bullpen guys last night, too, just like the Brewers. And right. Brewers fans were crying, oh, yeah, let's get rid of the whole bullpen. Dude, it's a three-game series, you dingus. Right. <laughs> They're going to use everybody. And Devin Williams made the comment when somebody asked him that it's going to be up to council if he's able to pitch again tonight. If the Brewers are in a one-run game in the ninth inning, Devin Williams is pitching. You want to know what's hilarious that I just thought of? They bitch about who he uses from the bullpen. Like, don't use him, save him. But then they bitch about him putting in Winker. We're going to use everybody. It's the damn playoffs. Yeah. Oh, my God. Brett said breaking news sources via the best guys with skill fanatics. Hey, that's what we're here for, man. Hey. Uh, and that's the thing is like, it's not hard if you actually look at why they use Jesse Winker. We posted the statistics. Honestly, it wasn't hard to find the statistics. It took me it took me ten minutes to go and find out why Jesse Winker made the postseason roster. <laughs> and and they used him in a situation where he had been successful. So, I mean, and again, even if you want to hang it on Jesse Winker striking out in that at-bat, that was 3% of the at-bats last night. Less than 3% of the at-bats last night. Listen, we're talking about all the good things from the Brewers, right? They got 12 hits. They got four walks. They had a lot of people on base. Hmm. The, one th- the one thing that was the one negative that they can't do is striking out 11 times. Me and you have talked about it, I don't even know, a million times now in the last couple of years. They cut down the strikeouts. They put the ball in play in those situations. Things happen, man. I mean, yesterday, uh, a crazy play uh, with the ball bouncing and 
Uh, Yelich had a close play at second base. I mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Who yeah. says that the ball doesn't bounce away from Evan Longoria and then he tries to pick it up and make a throw and he throws it over a second baseman? Like that—that's the weird stuff that happens in baseball. So you gotta just put the ball in play. Don't strike out as much. We'll be fine. I'll say we had a conversation about that play. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. I'm sorry, so I can't say if what I what I thought I was thinking at the time last night is valid. Um, but the other thing is is I don't know if there was somebody covering third base. If not, and that throw goes, Yelich is going to third base. And then uh, the tying run is 90 feet away with one out. To be honest with you, and they said it on the broadcast, him making that throw to second base was just instincts. And he's a guy that's played a million innings in his life. That's true. He's been pretty damn good at it. Like, let's not yeah. kid ourselves. He's been good for a long time. He came into the MLB, was good. In the middle of his career, was good. He was just getting banged up and injured. And he's still a good player. I know he's a hundred years old at this point, but he's, he's still the same age as Josh Donaldson. He's still got a lot of value, man. I mean, he's a guy that's he's been the same there, age done as Carlos that. Santana. Yeah, been there, done that. Locker room guy. I mean, Evan Longoria is still a good player. So people freaking out about Evan Longoria. I mean, he made some crazy plays last night. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, and like you said, striking out at the at, at with guys on base—that's just one of those things that just it, it just can't happen. Um, Bryce Durang had it happen to him, and this is a, going to be a learning moment for him. So if there's positive to take away from it, it's going to be Bryce Durang is learning from that moment by getting playoff experience. And we just talked about this, and I know for a fact that we talked about this last Wednesday with the Bucks because I listened to the show again. Is Jake brought up that? Our young players on the Bucks are going to get playoff experience this year. The young Bucks on the Brewers are getting playoff experience. Bryce Terang yeah. and Joey Weimer and Sal Freelich and Blake Perkins. Guys, those guys are getting playoff experience. They're getting to know what a playoff environment is like. Brett said, I just don't get why these fans are hard on Craig. Why did we why did we take Winker in? It's because Craig wanted to change it up. And if he would hit a home run, these fans would have praised Craig and said he strikes out and people are like, fire him. Um, I think we got this. So many contact hits in that. Just erase the minor mental mistakes. We win it. That was a beautiful play in the fifth by Evan Longoria, which should have been a single or a double. I swear he always kills us. And that's the thing. Like Jake said, Evan Longoria is a great baseball player. He has been for 15 years. Yeah, he's been good for a long time. Like, um, I remember him on the Rays, dude. He was a monster on the Rays. Yeah, he was. He was a stud. One of the best players in baseball on the Rays. For sure. Um, and the thing is, is like we're, we're getting playoff experience. And the thing is with, with having a guy like Jesse Winker, it's if the Brewers just don't have the depth, then there's, there's nothing wrong with that. The Brewers are in the playoffs. If they lose to the Diamondbacks, they're losing to a playoff team. Yeah. They're not losing a playoff game to the Oakland A's, who they should beat. They lost to a playoff team last night. And Rowdy Telez, I'm sorry, is not a better option. And Garrett Mitchell, from what I've read, hasn't been cleared 100% for head first sliding yet. I do think Mitchell would have gave a better at bat. I'm not going to lie to you. He's, a little, he's, got a little, he's got a quicker bat. That's, that's the only fair. reason I say that. But if he's not cleared, I'm not. I'm not willing to mortgage his future for an at bat in Thank the fucking game one of the 2023 Wild Card Series versus Thank the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, is that really that hard for people to understand? 
Apparently risk your not. life for me, even though I'm going to talk shit about you if you suck. Like, come on. Let's. So, first of all, Garrett Mitchell is also a rookie. So, you have a, a choice between a rookie who's missed six months of the season and a veteran um, who's missed about four months of the season and has succeeded in, in situational baseball. Like you just take just take the names out of it. Like which guy are you picking in that situation? Mm-hmm. And then you factor in the health of Garrett Mitchell, which going forward is far more important, I'll say, than even winning the series. Tyler, when we thought about young guys, right on Monday night, which if you haven't listened, that was a absolutely great episode. About twenty seven minutes, you'd say, right? Was that like twenty seven minutes, forty minutes? With Vinny, forty five. Yeah, with Vinny, that was like forty five. It was, yeah, it was like a half an hour, 45 minutes. But um, go listen to that. We had some really good stuff on there. We gave our Brewer season awards. Um, but when we talked about all the young guys, and we love all the young guys for, for certain criteria. And the thing that we brought up about Mitchell is he's a five-tool guy. So, really, we're not risking five tools for one AB. That's simple math, if you ask me. Yeah, that's hard. That's, that's... I just turned into a fucking rapper right there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Brett said I was listening to Bill Michael and he was bashing Craig for putting Winker in, and he's like, "I'll pick Rowdy all day." You'll, you'll, you'll say that life. because you have the benefit of hindsight, knowing that Winker struck out. The one person on this team that might have a slower bat speed than Jesse Winker is Rowdy Tellez, and Jesse Winker was way behind those fastballs last night. And what I'll say is, regardless of bat speed, injury, batting average, whatever it is, Jesse Winker has a better plate discipline than Rowdy Tellez. 100%. So he has a better chance of drawing a walk. And that's why Joey Weimer is on the playoff roster over Garrett Mitchell. Because what, what I can tell you this right now, if we get into another scenario where there's nobody out to start off anything after the seventh inning, you'll probably see Jesse Winker again tonight. And if the thing is, if it's a left-handed pitcher, you might, you actually might see Weimer. I wouldn't be shocked at that. He's much better against lefties. I'll say you'd probably see Monasterio or Owen Miller first, but I don't disagree that there's an opportunity for it. Yeah. But here's the thing is if you see Jesse Winker versus a right-handed relief pitcher tonight and he gets on base, Joey Weimer is instantly coming in to run the bases for him. Yep. They have those two players on that roster for that reason, for Jesse Winker to get on base and Joey Weimer to run the bases. Yep, hundred percent. That is why those two are on the roster. Hundred percent. And then, as far as second base, say he comes in for Bryce Durang, then you put in Owen or uh, Andre Monasterio like they did last night, or you can put in Owen Miller if he has a pinch hit for say a Tyrone Taylor, and you and then you can put Joey Weimer into center field and move South Relic to right, or you can put Marcana into right. Like there's plenty of options. Um. Brett said, I bet, and book it, guys, Willie Peralta, <laughs> Freddie Peralta, seven innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, and 12 Ks with the W. It'll be a solo home run if he gives up one earned run. I bet I would bet money on that. Uh, that's just He, that's he always gives he up does. one solo shot every game. <laughs> he does. Like, his last five starts, it's just one solo shot, and then he just settles in. Yeah. It'll be the top of the first inning, too. It'll be fucking Corbin Carroll leading off of the solo yep. home run, and then he'll pitch seven scoreless after that. Yep, probably. <laughs> All right, like I said, 
regardless of what happens, we'll be back talking about the Brewers. This is not going to be the last time we talk about the Brewers in October, um, regardless of what the outcome is. And then we'll talk about them probably again in December before winter meetings start. And we're looking at and have gotten willingness from um, Javik Blake. I don't know if it's Javik or Javik. He is the play-by-play announcer for the um, the Biloxi Shuckers to come on the show with us. And I'm really excited about that because he's going to be able to tell us a lot about guys like Jackson Churio and Tyler Black. Hell yeah, boy. Uh, Brett said, hey, no matter what, the Cubs L flag is flying. The entire Chicago sports fandom L flag is flying. Yeah. And we can bring in Mike as we, as we transition to this because Illinois is also – currently in shambles yep yes they are this extent but i was dead wrong about about them uh so, so was a lot of people and then you obviously we have the news that happened with northwestern and they're terrible so yeah I mean, they're actually competing yeah illinois is just like yeah they're playing hard i'll give they're, them that, the guys that they lost to the draft on defense are affecting them way more than we thought they would yeah it, it's um bad but <laughs> i mean Illinois, Shambles, Cubs, Shambles, Bears, Shambles, Blackhawks even. They had the number one pick last year because they were terrible. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have a number one pick on their team, but there's not a lot of things coming up Chicago right now. Dude, and the Bulls. The Bulls the missed Bulls. the play-in last yeah. year. And then what What the hell they do in the offseason? Oh, they're getting their cap ready to sign Giannis Adetokounmpo, <laughs> who then at media day says, I'm going to stay a buck as long as we win. I want to be a buck for life. Yeah. Um, and he said it shambles and it does. And, and he said, it doesn't make sense for me to sign it this year for a lot of money when I can sign next year for a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Like literally what he said, <laughs> dude, <laughs> I think I'd stop almost stop watching sports. If I was living in Illinois, man, I don't know if Bruh. I could take it. Bruh. I don't dude. know. That's, that's what it is. I mean, the bears, they had a 28 to seven lead and lost 31, 28. Did you see the I, latest on Matt, Matt Eberflus, by the way? No. No. So um, Peter King said that if the Bears lose, or he said, dare I say get blown out, I would not be shocked if the Bears fire Matt Eberflus. That would be hilarious. Who would be their head coach? Wow. Who would be their head coach? Luke Getzky. Yeah. <laughs> Bears head coach Luke Getzky. Are you serious right now? That – Oh, that'd be funny. That'd... Oh my god, I would. I, I think I would cry laughing. I would legit cry laughing. So, just real quick on last minute baseball news: uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have been eliminated from the playoffs. Ooh. Oh shit! So, record does not mean a goddamn thing. Oh hell no! <laughs> You're in the playoffs. It's a whole new year, man. Yeah. Yeah. Records are zero and zero. Um. Brett said the chances of the Bulls getting Giannis is like Lonzo Ball playing again. No, it's less uh, than that. Lonzo, I, I, I don't like a, that. I don't like that. Don't kick a man when he's down. Yeah, I feel Lonzo's bad gonna Lonzo. play again. It's not gonna be this year, but he's gonna play. Yeah, again. I feel Giannis bad is literally Lonzo. never going to the Bulls. And you want to know? So I actually like Lonzo, man. He was he's the good. one that had, he was he's the one that had to deal with all his dad's bullshit too. Yeah, and he he's a that humble guy. Yeah, Lonzo's actually a cool guy, man. I I I mess with with Lonzo. I, I wouldn't mind him on the Bucks, man, because he's going to be all banged up and stuff. He'd be a great backup point guard for the Bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. 
But yeah, I mean, the Bulls, they just had to watch. They're like, oh, we stole Javon Carter from you. Javon Carter's from Chicago. Like, he's happier to be there because yeah. he's from there. So good for Javon Carter. I mean, and then the Bulls like... watch the Bucks trade for fucking Damian Lillard. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, in the I'm, same like, year that we that. lose. Come the on, same now. year we lose Aaron Rodgers, dude, we gain Damian Lillard. Like, <laughs> life is fine now. Life is fine. Oh, oh man. All right. Let's let's transition. Let's move from baseball to football. Um, Badgers versus Rutgers. We don't have a recap this week because the Badgers were on bye. Now they're coming into their homecoming game against Rutgers. Um, this game is going to be on Peacock, which – here we go. Um, a lot yeah, of people dude. are going to be like, oh, my God, there's going to be games on Peacock. You might as well just subscribe and get Peacock now. It's, what, $6.99 a month? And they're I don't want to pay $5. There's going to be five Badger basketball games on Peacock. Exactly. Because we better get used to it. And even, the, even on top of that, some of our biggest games for basketball are on Peacock. You right. see Bro. who we play on Peacock? Bro, Tennessee, I think. Indiana, Maryland. I'm missing him with one more big one yet, but those three Michigan right there, those are Michigan State. We got Michigan State on Peacock too. That's four. Those are big time games against big time programs. So yeah, you better start to subscribe now. Just rip it off, rip the bandaid off, dude. That's what I was saying, right? And I was getting, I was getting called an asshole and all this other stuff by all these freaking 900 year old grandmas and grandpas because they're like, I don't want to pay 5.99. Why should I have to do that? That's the goddamn world we live in with technology. You. Mm-hmm. Old- SOB, like just yeah. deal with it. We're not living in freaking 1920 anymore. It's 2023. There's all yeah. these streaming services. The thing, especially with college, around. you want these things to happen because that means that money is going into the college programs. Yep. And yeah. I was just gonna say it's it's only gonna get worse with NILs. Right. Colleges, oh, NILs are really pushing but... to to go on other networks where the money's flowing, right? Right. So you, we kind of, we want this to happen. We want money to be going into the programs. We want media outlets to be interested in purchasing the rights to stream games that our teams are going to play on because it means money for the programs. So this is a bigger deal than you having to pay $6 a month to, to watch Peacock, not to mention you get everything else that's already on there. Um, and, 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 you know, unpopular opinion. When I watched the Brewers on Peacock, I actually really, really enjoyed that broadcast. I actually, I did like you? That. Was it pretty cool? I, I haven't, like I haven't uh, used it yet. Too. Not the Brewers, not on Peacock. I thought, but I Apple thought it was Plus fantastic. Broadcast too. Yeah, the Apple Plus. Uh, that was awesome. I don't mind them when they're on YouTube either. Um, I liked uh, who the heck was it? Oh, I, I actually it, thoroughly enjoy the Amazon Prime Thursday Night Footballs now. They got that and, next gen stuff going on right now. That shit is awesome, dude. There's hope for us with that too. Us us being not Wisconsin sports fans, but us being Wisco fanatics is that as these outlets continue to get more and more uh, specific on what people want to watch, there's going to be conversations about content creators being the ones that can do the voiceovers for these games and where streaming is going to be allowed. That's yep. something that's not, you know, it's not immediately coming, but it's it's in the back of the minds of media. It's it's trending. I agree. Um, a better version of what Peyton and Eli do on Monday Night Football. 
Exactly. But like if True. you wanted to watch if you wanted to watch like Matt Ramage does watch parties. Like Matt yeah. Ramage is a guy like he'd be fun to watch a football game with. Absolutely. You know, if it let's just say people watching us, if you would think that we are fun to watch uh, a college football game with, that's something that maybe in the future could be possible by stuff like this being on Peacock and things like that. I would honestly I would love to do that kind of stuff, but people are gonna see a whole different animal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, you got to be able to ride the emotional wave. That's all I'm going to tell you. Brett's, Brett said, Jake, I wanted to drive my horse to Pfizer Forum. <laughs> Giddy up. Uh, James <laughs> I don't know where you're going to park. Guys, we got Drew. I'm happier now. Yeah, James, getting Drew is cool, but having being, you know, able to defend the rim is cool too. Yeah. I mean, um, I love Drew. I'm not trying to talk shit. Still love Drew Holiday. Still a hell of a player. Still the best step back. Still a great on-ball defender. But at the end of the day, our best player is not a point guard. Our best player is now a seven-foot. He's listed at seven foot now. 254-pound monster. And you traded away. You traded away one of the humans in the NBA that actually scares me a little bit guarding him. There's not a lot of people that I think about that I'm like, all right. Him going to the rim, that guy has a chance. Robert, you know, Time Lord has a chance. He he doesn't have a great chance because Giannis can dunk on the entire league at one time if he wants to. But mm-hmm. let's be honest, you got worse. Bam Adebayo is the only guy in the Eastern Conference that I'm worried about with Giannis. Dude, they are asking a whole lot. And I said this to you how many times? Yep. They are asking a whole lot out of a 37-year-old Al Horford. Yeah, he is yeah. getting closer and closer, and Father Time is undefeated, apparently yep. against everybody but LeBron James because that guy's definitely on steroids, and I still love LeBron, but <laughs> there's no way, dude. But <laughs> that's a conversation for a different day. He's 37, getting closer and closer to retirement. Giannis is getting closer and closer to his peak. He's not even at his fucking peak yet, dude. That's how stupid good he is. Like you're you're fucked. I'm sorry. You can enjoy Drew Holiday. It's going to be awesome for you. You're going to have a lot of great moments. He's going to throw some lobs, you know, to to Brown and to Tatum. It's going to be a lot of fun in the regular season. But in the playoffs, when shit gets real and you have to guard that pick and roll and Drew can't switch on to Giannis, I'm sorry, you're toast. Yeah. Yeah. That's the X's and O's. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our Bucks primer. That's going to be a good time, which is oh, coming up. It's going to be – Jake and I are so actually going to do our Bucks primer on a Monday – uh, we're going to do that as a special Monday afternoon episode. We're going to do that on its own. Okay. <laughs> I'm a Bush guy. Jake seems I'm like a, a Bush guy. Tyler seems like a line and Google guy. I'd love to watch a game with you guys. Toss you guys any drink you drink. The guest seems like a spotted cow guy. Mike, Mike are you a spotted cow, cow guy? Oh, of course. Listen, yeah. listen. If you're from Wisconsin, you're always a, a spotted cow guy. Yeah. That's what I drink. I, uh, There's definitely – there's debate, though. I think um, – Oh, Spotted Cow, and I think – I forget what the other one's called, but there's a little bit of a debate now. Moon Man, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the other popular ones as well. But, no, I'm Honestly, a Spotted Cow guy out of the two, no doubt. I'm from Wisconsin. I don't drink any beers. I, I drink, uh, like, once a year. So, I'm yeah. not a big drinker either um, because I'm already a psychopath when I watch sports. So, I don't need to be a psychopath when I'm not watching sports. <laughs> I, I have a caffeine problem, so I'll just be over here sipping my Sam's Cola. <laughs> if you don't believe me that I'm like I'm literally a caffeine person, I have it tattooed on my wrist. 
Oh shit. Yeah, Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, dude, Tyler was one. Tyler, oh my god, this is so ridiculous. Now I'm going down memory lane. You gave me caffeine pills, dude, in high school. Remember yeah, that no, that was college. I was in college when we did that. Oh, okay, that was college. You're right, but I was like, what is this, bro? We're pulling out nighters. That's all we're here for. <laughs> I've been sober for seven years now. For seven years, that's awesome. Good for you, Tim. Hell yeah, Tim. All right, you man. Let's talk some college football. Badgers versus Rutgers. Mike, what are you looking for from the Badgers offense against Rutgers defense? I would say, first off, it's going to be interesting how we address the run game. Uh, Rutgers, they're they actually got a they're tenth in the nation in team defense, and they're they're pretty well balanced. Fourth in the Big Ten in pass defense, fourth in the Big Ten in rush defense. So top tier or top half or whatever on both ends. They're very, very consistent. Both sides of the ball get to the other part later. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing how we're going to address our running game because I still think that has to be a part of what we're about. Obviously, Braylon can't get all the carries. I'm just looking forward to seeing what Jackson – the combination between what Jackson Aker and Kade Yacomelli can do. Um, Jackson Aker is more more so like a Braylon, uh, to my understanding, based off of what um, you know the coaches say, the media says, and whatnot. And Katie Yacomelli sounds like he's going to be more so that third down back. I would say, not necessarily like um, shifty like Ches by any means, but I think he's going to be uh, possibly filling that role. So we still need to establish a run. I feel like at the end of the day, uh, but I mean, Rutgers they have a stud linebacker, Tyreen Powell. He's got. He's not a Hunter Wooler by any means, but the guy's got 38 total tackles, and he's a ball hawk as well, and he had a sack against Michigan. Um, then Aaron Lewis was the other guy. Uh, he's got four sacks for Rutgers this year, or three, sorry, um, that we definitely need to watch out for. So um, I would say Rutgers, these guys don't really make mistakes. They're pretty consistent uh, in what they do. They don't – ooh, one more stat. They are number one, and we talked about tackling. They are number one in the country, Power Five schools, for the lowest missed tackle rate. Oh, wow, lowest missed. I would tackle love rate. to be. I would love to be in that position with any of our football teams. Correct. So that was something I really wanted to uh, get on this podcast. But no, they, they seem to not make many mistakes. I mean, these guys were only trailing Michigan seven to seventeen in the fourth quarter when they were playing them, and then they yeah. gave up two touchdowns. So. Um, I think this is going to be a tough game. I think it's going to, like, we cannot, you know, take these guys lightly at all, both sides of the um, I'm here to take Rutgers lightly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fine. They've, okay, so they've played Michigan, which is fine. They've also played Northwestern, Temple, Virginia Tech, and Wagner. Yeah, hold on for a sec, because I wanted to say this. How far has Virginia Tech fallen? Yeah, they lost. Their, they got kicked by. They got their butts kicked by Rutgers. Purdue, I think, was the other one. Yeah, they play Northwestern as well. They might have played uh, like two or three Big Ten teams, but no, they got whacked. I mean, uh, still, a, still a crazy like you know running out of the tunnel moment for them. Like that's one of the best in the nation. But like, they they suck. Yeah, <laughs> they're about to get waxed by Florida State. By the way, this on Saturday. You know, you think Virginia Tech? It's like. Michael Vick, maybe. I can't really think of many too many yeah. people after that, but they've had some wide receivers come out of there, I think. I mean, they were th- when I was I mean, when we were all younger, I mean, 
I just remember Virginia Tech being one of those teams that was like always hovering around the top 25 and it was a tough place to play at night. Like they were like a good team. They were a school, like they were like a low key powerhouse. You know what I mean? Like they were always consistently good, always making bowl games. Now they just, you forget about them. Really? Virginia is kind of the better team. Yeah. At least lately. Yeah. Um, Tyrone Taylor or not Tyrone Taylor, Tyrod. Taylor. That's right. Yeah. And Marcus Vick, Michael Vick's little brother. He was cute. Yeah, he was trash, though. He was I trash. Believe. Let's be honest. He he was famous because he had Vick on his back, bro. Come um, on. He, Dwayne Brown. They were still winning, back. though, in his era, I feel like. Yeah, but he was garbage. I'm, I'm not even – like, he was garbage. <laughs> Sorry. Come on. <laughs> um, D'Angelo Hall, Antonio Freeman. Obviously oh, damn, D'Angelo Hall. Vick. D'Angelo Hall's a good pull. That's a good pull. I didn't pull that from me. I literally looked it up. I know, but I love D'Angelo Hall. I used to love him. He was like one of my favorite non-packers for a while because he was just good. Didn't get a much. Didn't get much love. I'm gonna pull up their football schedule to see who they've played. Um, Virginia Tech. Okay, so Virginia Tech so far this year beat Old Dominion. They Ooh. lost to Purdue. Got smoked by Rutgers. They literally lost to Marshall. And then yeah. they beat Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh sucks too. <laughs> yeah. Not so to even get more off topic. Not but really we... a resume builder for you. And I looked it up, looking at strength of schedule. Rutgers is 85. Oh. What are we? Wisconsin is 37. This year. Yeah. This year. That's respectable. Yeah. So, Jake, I'll let you go next. What are you looking for from the Badgers offense against Rutgers? Oh, so Mike's a, a bastard. Uh, Sorry. I'm only saying, it. I'm only yeah, saying that because – letting our guests go first. Yeah, yeah. because uh, – You guys can go first next. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Uh, Tyler, Tyler, me and you got called bastards earlier. That's the only reason. So, I wanted to include Mike. It's true. That did happen. Um. No, I literally wrote down, and you were you were almost taking the words right out of my mouth. I was like, they were very well coached. Um, you look at both sides of the ball; they control the line of scrimmage, they can run the ball very good, and they stop the run very good. That is a sign of good coaching, in my opinion. Um, they they're a pretty veteran team when you when you consider uh, the receiving. And I know that we're not on their offense yet, but when I was looking at their offense, I was like, holy shit, dude! They're kind of like well rounded on this side of the ball, but. With their defense, we got to control the line of scrimmage. Um, we got to run the ball. The Rutgers only give up 98.6 rushing yards per game, which is actually pretty insane. Yes. And the Badgers offense, like I've said 100 million times, I'll say it 100 million more times, still predicated on the run. Everything gets set up by the run, the play action, all of that. When you go, when you run the ball and you get a 14-yard gain and then you go temple and you hit somebody with a deep shot, you put them on their heels and you start smacking them in the mouth a little bit. We have to establish the run. And they also have 13 sacks as a team. So that's actually a pretty good average when you average it out over four games or mm-hmm. five games now. Um, it's still a pretty damn good average. So they get after the quarterback. We have to keep Tanner Mordecai upright, which we have struggled with at times during this season. So that was definitely noteworthy and running the ball. So those are the two things. Control the line of scrimmage, keep Mordecai upright, and establish that physicality in the run game. First of all, Brett, no, you're not. <laughs> Second of all, the Badgers are 32nd 
in the NCAA in points per game at 33.3. Rutgers is 19th in points allowed. Again, I'm going to say that this skews a little bit based on the quality of teams they've played. Mm-hmm. Um, the Badgers, actually, I'm going to save this one for my uh, my key to the game, actually. I'm going to save this stat. The Badgers are 36th in yards per game, which isn't it's not terrible. It's respectable. Uh, but the main thing, and this kind of goes with offense and defense, is the Badgers are 81st in college football in penalties per game. Oh. That has to change. That's yeah. not like a, this is something they can improve. That's a has to. Mm-hmm. Not a want to, not a need to. That is a has to change. Agreed. They cannot be committing that many penalties. No. Um, yeah, my other offensive stat I'll save until I get to my key to the game. But, Mike, what are you looking for on the Badgers on defense against Rutgers offense? You know, this this offense really – they are from the shotgun mostly, but in terms of, like, what they like to try to do, this is very similar to what uh, Badger offense used to be. These guys, they love to run the ball, and they love to take time off the clock. Um, it's kind of like a dual threat monster, I would say, between their quarterback and their running back. Um, Gavin Wimsett, only one turnover through five games, so he takes care of, takes care of the ball. Um, the running back, Kyle Menangi, Menangai, I don't know how to pronounce that. He's third in the Big Ten with 471 yards rushing. Um, mm-hmm. So combination with those two guys, because Wimsett does run the ball, but he has shown that he can throw it. He threw for 180 yards against Michigan. So that's definitely, you know, something that's noteworthy. Um, but I think mainly, yeah, these guys, Rutgers is third in rushing offense. Uh, so it's right behind Wisconsin and right behind Nebraska. So, and I guess they don't pass as much, but the offensive line, they've only given up two, two sacks all year. I know Jake kind of touched base on like the line of scrimmage. These guys, again, they, they don't make mistakes. They take care of the ball. Mm-hmm. who they've played and, you know, all their possessions and whatnot. But um, I'm looking forward to us hopefully still causing some somewhat of, some turnovers on defense. I'm actually looking forward to um, uh, the linebackers because Rutgers doesn't necessarily spread out, spread out nearly as much as what basically every game that we've been playing in this year. So yeah. I think based off of where our, what our linebackers have been used to, in your years past and the type of defense and, and whatnot, I think this is going to be more, pre- more predicated to them to have a big day in this game because Rutgers again wants, wants to run the ball kind of similar to Wisconsin. We want to run the ball at the end of the day. So I'm looking forward to the, to how to one specific guy that I'll get to later, but uh, the linebacking core um, specifically is what I'm watching. Yeah. To, to your point on that, uh, the Badgers going back to two weeks ago when the Badgers played. Um, Luke Fickle, when asked about Muma Jangmeta, did say that they were looking to get Jake Cheney and Jordan Peterson, not Jordan Peterson, Jordan Turner, um, more reps against a coverage offense. And that's why Muma didn't play as much. Um, so, Mike, to your point about them being less of a pass-heavy team, I do think that means we'll see a lot more in Jangmeta this week. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yes, we will. I'll, I'll, I'll end it at that before I get <laughs> yeah. too far. But, Jake, what are you looking for from the Badgers defense? So, like Mike said, they don't throw the ball a ton, but their top three options, their top three wide receivers are all seniors. Uh, Christian Dremel, he controls the slot. He's kind of their top guy. 
Uh, he's they have three wide receivers with ten catches. Uh, he's the only one of those three that has touchdowns. He has three receiving touchdowns, uh, fourteen catches, one hundred ninety-five yards. Um, I just want to comment on something that Mike said about how he had one hundred and eighty yards against Michigan. Sixty-nine of those one hundred and eighty came on one play. So first really, player, one of the first plays. Yeah, if you take that yeah. out, it's kind of like, eh. But Man, I know still you can't take it. Yeah, yeah, he slings it a little bit. I wa- I watched some of their some of their previous game highlights, and he's not he's not bad. Um, we have to stop the run though. Uh, Rutgers as a team, they average four point eight yards per carry. Uh, they have two hundred and five carries, nine hundred seventy eight yards, and fifteen rushing touchdowns this year. This team runs the damn ball, and that is that is their mo. Damn, uh, a little bit of a three a game. Shit. Yeah. A uh, little bit of a throwback feel to this game. So I one hundred percent agree with Mikey that this game and this offensive uh, formation and how they run and their game plan kind of fits to our play style is a little bit more as well, where we still have some of those three, four guys from last year uh, still kind of learning the three, three, and it's just going to be a physical game. And really the game's going to be one up front. So whoever wants it more is going to win. If we, obviously we've seen it with the Packers and the Badgers all year long. If we hold teams and win early downs, and we force them in third and longs, force them to make plays, we are going to be successful. If we yep. allow them to run the damn ball down our throats and get into second and threes, third and ones all damn day, it's going to be a long oh, damn yeah. day at Camp Randall. Yep. So let's win on early downs, stop the run, force them to beat us with the pass. So <clears throat> Rutgers is, despite having what I would say is a soft schedule, 103rd in NCAA in yards per game. Ew. They're also 68th in points per game at 25.5. Damn, the Badgers are 30th 4. in points per game allowed at 19.8. And they played are... a Washington State team who is way on the rise. Since yeah, Washington played. State's a good team, dude. 12, 13, I think. Like oh, 13. Yeah, 13. Yeah, yeah they're so they're Continue cheering for Washington State because us losing to them makes us look better. Yeah, especially if we beat Ohio State and our one loss is Washington State. We look fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. And we made it That's a close a game. game. To watch this weekend too. Maryland and Ohio State, uh, both teams undefeated. So that's going to be interesting yep. one as well. While look our at Maryland goes. not sucking, finally. Yeah, it's, they're both going to yeah. be undefeated until Ohio State wins on Saturday. Yeah. So that'll be Little fantastic. Tua can sling it. He's pretty okay. good. I'm not going to lie. So – that and then looking at red zone scoring, um, it's still kind of a small sample size, but Rutgers is at 85%. Wisconsin is holding opponents to 75%, which isn't bad. This is where I'm looking for potentially the game to be decided. It's third down. Hmm. So like Jake said, it's third downs are important. Rutgers converting on third down is at 44.64%. That's good. The Badgers mm-hmm. are currently allowing... 40.98%. So essentially that's, 41%. That's not good. That's really no. bad. No. We want that's that scary. much. Probably like 3, 4, 5% lower, ideally. At least. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, really for, for the Badgers defense, I'm looking for them to put together a good game on third down is a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so, Mike, what is a matchup that you are watching for this game? 
I got Muhammad John Meta against uh, the Rock the Rutgers uh, run game. I guess collectively, I think this game is is definitely designed for him to just go off. I mean, this is what his bread and butter was last year, last couple of years. Um, and this is the reason he was a leading tackler on our squad for a reason. Um, this team doesn't spread the ball nearly as much as the other four opponents that we've had this year. Uh, so I am looking forward to Muma bouncing back and, um, you know, getting back on the right track. Even after this Rutgers game, I guess the next two, when Iowa, Illinois, they don't spread the ball nearly as much either as the other teams that we played this year until we get to Ohio State, I guess. But this is going to be a good opportunity for the first part of October, for sure, for Muma to, to bounce back after not playing nearly as much against Purdue. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how he responds this week. If I said 11 and a half tackles, would you say over or under? Oh, over. Shit. Over. Ooh. We're going to need over. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's a good one. We're going to need over, dude. I really feel that. If he gets 11 and we lose by a field goal, I'm telling you, bro. I'm <laughs> One more tackle. We would have won. Lose your shit. Yeah. <laughs> it could... What do you say, Mike? Over or under? I'm we're putting you on the spot. I'm going ten and a half. It's going to be ten and a half. It's going to be under. <laughs> All okay. right, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jake, yeah. what's the matchup that you're watching? So Mike brought his name up earlier. Uh, I'm going Braylon Allen versus Tyreen Powell. Uh, Tyreen Powell is a massive human being, by the way. Six five, two forty. Um, he has thirty seven total tackles, sixteen solo, twenty one assists. Two sacks and one forced fumble. Um, in my opinion, when I was watching him, he's all right in space. He's an all right pass uh, pass defender. But really where he thrives is in the run. Uh, he loves contact. He runs straight at the running back. He does not shy away from anybody. That is going to be a collision that could shake the stadium more than jump around, in my opinion. I wonder mm-hmm. I wonder if Phil Longo will try to use Braylon Allen in the passing game a little bit more, knowing that he might not be the best in coverage. He's got sideline to sideline speed, in my opinion. Okay. And he's pretty good in play recognition, but he really he lives for going up an A gap and finding a running back. That's what he lives for. Um, that very well could be the game plan, or you know, give a little play action and sneak the tight end behind him. Any tight end, I don't care. Uh, we got so many of them that we use now. Um, I want Rushi to be good so bad. I don't know why, but I do. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's got swag for some reason, but. <laughs> I want him to be good so bad. But Tyreen Powell, he's a pretty damn good player, leading tackler on that team. And if we're going to win, we have to establish the physicality. And obviously more responsibility goes on Braylon Allen now. So he's going to touch the rock about 30 times a game now for all the people that were crying earlier in the year. He's going to touch it a lot. So yeah, okay. his success is going to mean team success. Yeah, and we need him to stay healthy. He's been – I'm not not – that's not a knock on him at all. But he's dealt with a lot of nagging angle injuries. Bro, it's all it's always oh, an angle. It's so trash. So <clears throat> I'm gonna say that I would rather see Ashcraft eat just because he's the guy that I brought up as a player that I was excited for in the primer. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh but the matchup that I'm watching, I held on to this, is Phil Longo versus the Rutgers red zone defense. Ooh. So the Badgers currently have a 100% scoring rate when they're in the red zone. Rutgers is only allowing 58.33%. Ooh. 
Very low. Now, this is where I come back to the strength of schedule. You look at the four teams outside of Michigan that Rutgers has played, that helps them. Michigan, however, converted three times for three touchdowns in the red zone. Mm. So I will say that I think Wisconsin is closer to Michigan than Virginia Tech, Northwestern Temple, or Wagner are to Wisconsin. Very well done. <laughs> Very well done. Even if even if the Badgers are two out of three and two touchdowns and a field goal, I'm confident with that. Yeah, that I that agree. means good things for the Badgers' offense. So that's the matchup that I'm watching. Now, Mike, what is your key to the game? I think we got to find a way to generate turnovers. I think just because this team, Rutgers, ju- does take care of the ball. If we can win the turnover battle, because as I said before, these guys want to run the ball and they want to take time off the clock. We got to find a way to get, you know, get a fumble recovery, make get a get a pass rush for maybe one of their play action plays or something like that. Generate at least one to two tur- turnovers and win that battle. We win this game. Um, you know, we we the last couple games we've definitely been able to do that. Uh, with getting some, whether it's interceptions, sack, fumble recoveries, etc., we got to keep that going um, because, yeah, and this team just loves to take time off the clock. And if this, if Rutgers takes a bunch of time off the clock, and we go back to how we were in the beginning of the season offensively and getting all these three and outs, that's going to give them so much of the time of possession, and that's not going to set us up for success at all. So we got to find a way to generate a fumble or. or you know, something throughout the game to give us a short field, even a one time in the first half, and then we score. Um, but yeah, somehow get another couple turnovers here. Yeah. Create like create an extra possession, basically. Correct. Yes. All right, Jake, what's your key to the game? Score 30 plus points. I like uh, it. With that, uh, our three wins, we all scored over 30 in our three wins. Our one loss, we scored under 30. So play with a lead, score early, score often. The offensive line, look me in the face. I'm so serious. Please beat the shit out of people. I'm being so serious. Yes. You have to set the physical tone in this game. The Rutgers are coming into this game, and this is kind of, and I don't want to say this because we lost this game, but this kind of feels like Washington State last year, where I didn't know how to feel about Washington State last year. But Washington State came in, and they were ready for the physicality of the Wisconsin Badgers. They were ready to deal with the hostile environment of Camp Randall. I almost said Lambeau Field right there because I was looking at a Packers logo in our background. <laughs> but I'm being sorry, so serious. Probably pretty logos back there to be a distraction for you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. You're a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> the Badgers' offensive line has to set the tone early, and they have to continue to set the tone because the Rutgers – Though their record may be a little skewed, I think they're a little bit better than some people are giving them credit, in my opinion. I think so. And I know Wagner doesn't like really say much, but who the hell does Georgia play early in the year? Who the hell does Michigan play early in the year, right? They're number one and number two. Just my opinion. My key is it's pretty basic. It's move the ball with a balanced attack. So, like Jake said before, you know, if you follow up a 14 yard run with a deep shot pass, and having the defense on their heels, that's a big deal. Yeah. So move the ball with a balanced attack and finish in the red zone. 
ties in with my my matchup. So just put a neat little bow on that. All right, Mike. Score predictions, one from the head, one from the heart. What's your score prediction from the head? So as of today, I believe we're favored by 13. I think it was the spread. I do think Rutgers covers this game. I don't like the fact for this for a couple of reasons. Number one, this is coming off of a bye week. Number two, this is an 11 a.m. game. Number three, Camp Randall will not be full come kickoff. I'm about 98% sure. The kids will still be trying to get into the game midway through the second quarter. Those three things do not set up. I think Sorry. we get off to a slow start, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think in the second half it's going to be similar to like to like a Buffalo where we finally get our shit together. But I got Wisconsin winning I, in my head 23-17. to 17. Oh. Huh. Low, low scoring. All right, Jake. What about you? So I kind of have similar feelings. But like that Buffalo game, I still have them scoring a bunch of points. Um, also, I was going to make a joke. Because we had a bye last week. So so half those kids that, you know, didn't know that we had a game at 11 a.m. are going to wake up. We had a game today? Oh, we should probably go to the game. It'll be halfway through the third quarter. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I have us winning 37 to 28. Oh. Okay. Guys, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, actually, of the two of you. So looking oh. at – I really looked at where the, the averages are kind of at. Uh, with the Badgers being just over 30, Rutgers not allowing a lot of points – and then Rutgers averaging about 25 and the Badgers allowing about 19. I kind of just split the difference on a lot of those, a lot of those yeah. numbers. So I have the Badgers winning 30 to 22. Ooh. Okay. 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 All right, Mike, everything goes right. Your most optimistic projection. What do you say from the heart? We cover the spread 30 to 14. All right. Jake. Defense, Mike. I like it, baby. It's, it's not. I just go back to time of possession and what Rutgers wants to do at the end of the day. And yeah. I just, I don't know. That's what I, I keep coming back to. So, um, you all see, right. you mentioned it before the Michigan game. Their one touchdown came in the beginning. Yeah. That's all they really had. They got to, they moved the ball a little bit, took yeah. time off the clock, but they, that's all they got. So, yeah, I just come back to time of possession yards, and what they're predicated on doing. If I can, more important than. Sorry, sorry. If I could add my offensive like confidence this game and your defensive confidence, there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be really confident in the Wisconsin Badgers after this week, because I have them from the heart. And I was really thinking about this. And Tyler, I looked at their points per game too. I have them lower than their points per game. We're definitely covering from my heart. 44-24. 44-24. All right. Okay. I'm I'm again kind of in the middle. So. <laughs> I feel like this could be the score of basically every Badger game outside of the Ohio State game this season <laughs> uh, from the okay. heart. Like, I could probably just pencil this in for all of those games. But this this feels like such a Badger score. And I have 38 to 17. Bro, they hit that at least once or twice this year already. That was the Buffalo score. Buffalo. Yeah. And, yeah. and then Purdue, right? Purdue, was that the final for Purdue? I think we won by 20. It was, actually. I think, yeah. I think and, we hit it twice this year, dude. Yeah. That is a Wisconsin score. <laughs> um, and I think the – I thought the Georgia Southern game ended up being pretty close to that too. It did. It very well could have been. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's 38-17. 38-17. 
Yeah, it just feels it feels like a yeah. Okay. Purdue was thirty eight seventeen. Uh, Georgia Southern was thirty five fourteen, and Buffalo Wisconsin was thirty eight seventeen. Dude, yeah, twenty one <laughs> point dubs. That's what it is. <laughs> I like it. If they get if they get a third <laughs> out of five games, thirty eight seventeen. <laughs> that would that would actually be insane. I would start yeah. believing in the Illuminati again. <laughs> hey, I, my forty to six looked real good for a little while against Purdue. I was getting a little scared. I was like, "Dude, he's about to hit the nail in the head." <laughs> <laughs> that would have been sick. <laughs> so maybe you don't have to believe in the Illuminati. Just believe in me. Hey, that's that's fair. All righty. Well, we will be back next Wednesday uh, talking about the Badgers win and. Like I said, if the Brewers manage to win today and tomorrow, we will talk about the Brewers before next Wednesday. Uh, Jake and I will also be back on Friday night with Bryant. Um, I don't remember if Simon's going to be available or not to do the Raiders preview with us. Uh, and then other than that, keep an eye out for our our scavenger hunt letters. Mm -hmm. 13, 13 letters, three words. First person to comment the 10-minute mark at our live show on October 28th. What the phrase is is going to win our 5,000 follower giveaway. And then other things, October 23rd, that is the date, the date for our Bucks primer. Uh, Jake and I are going to do that, give it its own show, uh, and have it uh, separate from everything else. Other than that, Jake, I will, I'm sure, be talking to you soon, and then uh, we'll be back on Friday night for sure. And, Mike, we will see you next Wednesday. Sounds good, fellas. Go Brewers. Yes, Bounce sir. back tonight. Let's get it. They got Have this a good one. one. They got this one. Talk to you guys later. brother. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.